but uh, I get to preach several Sunday evenings in the next little while, and I'm excited for that privilege. And so I was thinking, okay, I believe it's the next three in a row. I don't have a calendar right in front of me, but I think it's the next three in a row. So I was thinking, hey, that means miniseries. What, what book do I, I'll, I'll be honest, I was selfish. Uh, what book, not do I necessarily want y'all to learn more about, but what book do I want to dig into more and then be able to preach that? I have found that usually enjoyable, meaningful study means meaningful preaching, so I think it goes both ways. And the Lord really laid on my heart the book of Jude. So just the, the little book of Jude, when you turn there, you have my full permission to turn to any chapter in the entire book that you want. Uh, there's only one chapter in the book of Jude, so uh, if I say chapter one or just verse whatever, you'll know what I mean. But I was thinking about what we wanted to look at, what title would kind of guide the whole thing, and uh, God laid on my heart the title, Convinced. And if we are convinced that not just the book of Jude, but that the whole book is God's word, it's going to show up in our lives. It's going to mean some things. It's going to mean that no matter how dreary or difficult a day is, that we know we will all get to heaven, like Sam just sang about. We can have hope even in the middle of those things. I'm convinced that we need God. We need the Bible, and we need preaching as much as ever. I'm convinced also that we need each other even more than ever. I hope you can stay after and play some volleyball, or if volleyball's not your thing, I hope you'll stay and, and help with the food or just spend some time together. And if you can't make this one, we'll be doing some other ones of these with Next Generation Services coming up. Or if that doesn't work for you, find some excuse to spend some extra time together because we need each other. I'll just say for my sake, I don't know if you guys know this, but you have this special ability. I can be with you guys working on something. And I'll feel more energized afterward than when I start, even though we might be doing hard work. Maybe it's VBS prep, and it's, it's work. It's hard work. But there's just an encouragement with being around the people of God, and there's an encouragement with being around our local assembly, our church, and people who are learning, hearing the same preaching and learning the same things together. It's just such a privilege. So that was one of the reasons I wanted to do some volleyball. And by the way, I've got the next couple ideas for those, uh, what it'll be next time instead of volleyball in mind. But if you're like, hey, there's this one game I really want to play, or maybe it's this one game you really want to see some of the other church members play, feel free to recommend it. I will uh, see what I can do. But I look forward to that time together. And I am, quite frankly, to go along with the title of the message, convinced that we need to rely on each other and we need to know that we can rely on each other more and more. That's not to guilt you if you can't stay and play volleyball. Again, there's a hundred ways to do it. But let's be there for each other in so many ways. Boy, there's so many issues we face, challenges we face, that we need to be able to support each other, certainly on Sundays, but every day of the week. I hope you know that we mean it when we say, 24-7, you need something, you call us. I always tell teens, if you call me at 2 a.m. and tell me that your sports team won, I'm hanging up the phone. I mean, but uh, if it's 2 a.m. and you have a deep need, I'm, absolutely, I'd be, I'd be bothered. I'd be concerned if you didn't call. I mean, absolutely, we're here for you. I know Pastor John certainly feels the same way. As we look into the book of Jude and how we should be convinced really of the truth, and as we'll look through a lot of those who were going against the truth next week and I believe the week after, but it's really overall a reminder that fakes can be easy to come by, easy to make, and easy to fall for. I've had the uh, privilege, I guess you'd call it, don't turn me in for this, but I've had the privilege of making some fake money over the last year or so, just as object lessons, and it was made in a way that if you held it, you would know it was a fake. But I, 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 probably a couple years ago, 
Uh, I was speaking to a group of children, and I made a fake $1 bill just on my Mac computer, printed on this office copier, normal copy paper, so nobody would fall for it if they held it. But you could hold it up. I made it just the right size, and it looked real. The back was a little off. It wasn't perfectly aligned. So I wanted to take it a step further just a couple of weeks ago when I was speaking to a group of young people, and I made a $100 bill. Just Googled it, found the right dimensions, found the right pattern front and back, and I got the front and back to match. I, I don't have it up here. Again, I don't want you to turn me into the FBI or the Secret Service, so I'm not going to put it here, but uh, it's in my office. I can find it for you as long as you promise not to try to spend it or turn me in. But, uh, I mean, you can hold it up. You would not be able to tell the difference from there. And, and this was 15 minutes on my Mac with the office copier. This wasn't even trying because I don't want it to seem real. I just wanted it to prove the point. Fakes are easy to make and easy to fall for. Jude offers us a look at the real thing, the real truth, the real Savior. And that's especially what we'll look at tonight. And then we'll compare that to the weak imitations in the rest of the book as we move in throughout the next couple weeks. But again, Jude verse 1, Jude chapter 1, only chapter. Jude 1, 1, we'll read the first three verses for tonight, for right now. But it says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ the brother of, and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. I'll be honest, we won't make it much farther into the book tonight, but that'll be enough for us to talk about here for a few short moments. Jesus has done everything to prove his love and to offer us salvation and a forever relationship with him. And quite frankly, if we are convinced that the Bible is true, if we are convinced that Jesus is real, that he is the Savior, it should show up in our lives. It was a wonderful privilege to be able to go to the wedding yesterday for Jake and Michaela where the cross was at the center. Not just of the decorations out there, I believe the cross is still out on the field there, it looks beautiful, but also of the wedding. And I know Jake and Michaela want Jesus at the center of their entire marriage, their entire relationship. It was a privilege to see a young couple that so much wanted everyone who came to the wedding to hear the gospel that they even asked me, uh, since others, you know, John Jr. and Pastor John tied up with pictures, they asked me to give a short devotion message, a salvation message, which I had the privilege to do. Jake and Michaela, I'll tell them, I'll brag on them in their absence there, but they're, they're obviously convinced that this is real and it showed up even in their wedding. In, in a way, it's a day that's all about them, or at least all about Michaela, maybe a little bit about Jake, I don't know, but you know, it, it's all about them. Well, man, if it's all about them, they're going to have it be all about Jesus because that's what they're all about. They're convinced that it's true and it's just such a privilege. Maybe you aren't convinced that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Maybe you're here tonight and, and you're not sure. Neither was Jude. Jude, if we go way back to the beginning of his story, and I'll mention it in just a bit, a little bit about it, but he had some doubts about Jesus being the Savior, being the Messiah. But he was convinced, and I hope you will be too. Maybe you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, but you aren't convinced you should sell out for Jesus. That he shouldn't just be a part of your life, but he should be your life. He should be everything you are about. I hope you'll look at Jude's example. And I hope we'll all leave this mini-series, this little short study, through Jude, convinced that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. 
not just for our eternal destination, but our daily decisions as well. Let's pray, and then we're going to look through basically those first three verses tonight. Father God, again, you're so good to us. Thank you for uh, Jude's example. And even a man who struggled with who you were while you were here on earth for much of his time, that uh, you didn't give up on him and that he became convinced of the truth. And I pray for anyone in here tonight, anyone watching by live stream, anyone who will watch later, anyone who is not convinced that you are the way, the truth, and the life, that tonight will even be the night that they'll accept you as Savior. They'll become convinced of the truth. And I pray for all of us as Christians that we know the truth, we've accepted the truth, but that we'll be so convinced that your word is it, that you're the way, the truth, and the life for everything in our lives, and that we need you. We need you to be the Lord. We need you to be the boss. We need you to be the guide and the ruler of every part of our lives, and that we'll sell out for you anew and afresh. Jude did in so many ways. And again, we thank you for his example. pray that you'll bless our uh, time together tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, well, first of all, I want to look at the fact that Jude became convinced that his brother is the Savior. Jude, uh, it seems very clear. I, you may have a different opinion. There's a little bit of, of question which Jude or Judas wrote the book of Jude. Apparently, back in Bible times, Judas, Jude, same person, same name. Um, so I heard one person comment that uh, maybe Jude shortened it from Judas to Jude just because he was not Judas Iscariot, and he didn't want that association. But uh, there's another Judas that was an apostle besides Judas Iscariot. But we believe that this Jude uh, seems pretty clear even from what we just read. This is the half-brother of Jesus. He says about being the brother of James, another half-brother of Jesus. And it seems pretty widely accepted and pretty clear. So that's absolutely what I believe to be the truth. And he was one of the brethren, one of Jesus' family members, that didn't accept Jesus as Messiah, thought their little brother, their older brother, excuse me, had lost his mind in claiming to be able to do miracles, in claiming to be the Savior, in claiming to be the Messiah. So again, maybe you're here tonight and, and you're just not convinced either. Jude wasn't. Jude really did not accept Jesus until Jesus died. And I bet you he didn't accept him then until he rose again. Three days later, when Jesus rose again, now, all of a sudden, Jude gets it. All of a sudden, now Jude is willing to sell out because, for this guy, not because it's a brother. I mean, think, if you've got brothers, you get this. I mean, that's, that, my brother has said some crazy things, but nothing that would be anywhere near as crazy as claiming to be the Messiah if you weren't. And, and he didn't believe Jesus until Jesus proved it once and for all by not only dying, but by rising again. Jude becomes so convinced that he sells out for Jesus, he certainly accepted him as Savior. And I love the fact that he describes... Jesus here, Jesus is back up in heaven at this point when Jude's writing, but he describes him as being Jude being his servant, a servant of big brother, because he got it. He was convinced. This isn't just a man. This isn't just somebody or some nut that claimed things. No, this is the Messiah. He claimed it. He proved it. This is the way, the truth, and the life. This is Jesus. The saying goes that familiarity breeds contempt. And you might have been there, maybe even with a boss or somebody, I don't know. Maybe you've gotten to know a politician, I don't know. But uh, maybe even following politicians on social media, I don't, I don't know. But where you get to know them on a personal level, and all of a sudden it's harder to respect them. That the more you get to know them, the more you're like, I don't know. It's not that way with Jesus. With Jesus, the better we get to know him, the closer we study him, the more we see the opposite is true. 
the closer we look at Jesus, the better we realize he is. There's also the saying that absence makes the heart grow fonder. Maybe you've experienced that in a relationship. I'll be honest, I haven't. I like spending time with my wife. I don't know. But uh, sometimes you, you've, got, you've got that one family member. Let's just be honest. You get along a lot better with them if there's some absence times there where you get some time away. Jude was willing to say he was the servant of Jesus Christ because he didn't want just occasionally to spend time with his, his big brother now, you know, just in a spiritual sense. He realized that this is the one who absence doesn't make the heart grow fonder. That's not true when we have a perfect relationship with our perfect God. Jude became convinced that his brother is the Savior. If you're not convinced of that tonight, we'd love to show you from the Bible very clearly how the Bible says he is. And you can look at the Bible, you can look at history, you can look anywhere you want. It's obvious, it's clear that Jesus did die for your sins. He did rise again, and he is the Savior. I hope, if you've never accepted him, that tonight will be the night that you will. And if you have, if you're convinced that that's true, you've accepted him as Savior, I hope that'll show up in every area of our lives. You don't have to answer this out loud, but would uh, people, maybe they don't go to our church, maybe your, your work friends or your friends from outside our church, would they say that you're convinced that Jesus is everything? Would they say that about you? Would mine say it about me? Do our lives show that we're convinced? I hope so. Next, we see that Jude was convinced that Jesus won't give up on us. This is just encouraging. Really, back to verse 1. It says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father. To be sanctified, it happens at salvation. It means to be set apart. Really, to be guaranteed that one day in eternity you will be just like your Savior. But we're sanctified now to become more and more like him. We're set apart to grow more and more like him and to accomplish the jobs he's given us to do. Do you think Jude ever thought that Jesus might want to just give up on him? I mean, he had doubted his big brother, the Savior. He had lived day in and day out before Jesus' earthly ministry of miracles and all began. He had seen his big brother never do one thing wrong. Maybe they blamed him for some stuff, but they were wrong if they did. He had seen Jesus and rejected him. He had seen Jesus do miracles and questioned him. He had seen Jesus die on the cross, and as far as we know, that wasn't enough. But then when he rose again, and in the days, maybe months even following that, he realized, okay, this is the one. And he realized, hey, we're, we're sanctified. We're set apart. He's not going to give up on us. He's going to keep growing us becoming more and more like Jesus, a process that won't end until we get to Jesus. But I, I love the reminder of the song. I believe the, uh, the school group sang it and did sign language to Your Goodness is Running After Me. And then we sang it again at a recent youth conference we got to go to. And so it's just been uh, a song that's been running after me. And the meaning of it really been brought, has been brought to my mind a lot. I don't know if there's ever been a time where you kind of almost officially ran from God. You can look back over that year to that year or that week or those months or that period of my life, I ran from God. I'm so grateful that if I try to get away from God, he doesn't give up on me, that he's running after me with his goodness, even his conviction, because that's what I need sometimes. But his goodness is running after me. It's all over the place. We are sanctified by God the Father. And just going with that illustration of running, I love when two or more people get to run together, helping each other pace each other out. I feel bad. Uh, Miss Jen and I ran a um, half marathon several years back, and uh, I, I 
she started ahead of me, but I knew I had had a faster pace in training, so I ended up passing her a mile or two in and uh, ran ahead of her the rest of the time. She commented at the end that she probably could have kept my pace if I would have waited for her. So apparently I was a jerk. Sorry about that, babe. But uh, at the same time, um, it probably apparently might have helped her if you've ever run or cycled, uh, you know, done much of that. You know it's easier to have someone to keep the pace with. Hey, we're, we're sanctified. We're set apart by Jesus for Jesus. We get to go through life with him. And if we'll let him set the pace, we'll always be going the right speed. If we'll let him set the pace, it's never going to lead us. He's never going to lead us the wrong way. It's amazing with cycling. Um, I used to be pretty into road cycling and, and did a good bit of it. And uh, I haven't done much in a while. Need to do more. But I, I'm also a math and science nerd. So, of course, I look into the math and science behind it. And apparently, it can be, I think, up to 40% easier to bike ride with someone in front of you. It's actually also easier if you have somebody behind you. Uh, just with aerodynamics, it actually breaks the wind a little more if you have somebody behind you. But if you have somebody else keeping the pace, it can be so much easier. And boy, doesn't life get stressful? Even though we're sanctified, even though we're set apart for service for our Savior, if we go off of his pace, if we go off of his plan, now it's work. Life gets hard. But if we'll stay step for step in pace with our Savior, sanctified, growing more like him, and growing and doing his purpose is a wonderful thing. I also love, even in the Olympics, highest levels, there'll sometimes be times where one runner will fall. Another runner who isn't hurt will stop, go back, help him up. Part of being sanctified by Jesus is he's running after us. He's not going to give up on us. If we fall spiritually, he's going to help pick us back up and help keep us going. Jude was convinced that Jesus won't give up on us because we're sanctified. We are set apart by God. Jude was also convinced that Jesus is strong enough to hold on to us. Back to Jude 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Christ Jesus and called. Just that word preserved. Just, just kept. I was listening to one pastor teach through the book of Jude, and he said, well, preserved. Do you think of preserves, jam, jelly? My wife did a great job of explaining the difference between jelly and jam the other day. I don't think I remember, but she can tell you, jam, jelly, preserves, marmalade, all the difference. Um, marmalade's the stuff you have to chew, right? Like it's extra, you know, chewy. I, I got that one. But uh, preserves, it, it keeps that fruit good. You can it, you seal it. A big part of my world, Ms. Jen makes a lot of jams. Uh, but preserves, they, they keep them. That's what God does for us. So life might try to rip you apart, but it can't. If you're a Christian, Jesus is holding on to you. Satan might try to rip you away from God, but he can't. So many verses we could talk about. Let me share just a few. In John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I had to share those verses because I love the image of God the Father is holding on to us, and Jesus, God the Son, is holding on to us. But then Ephesians 4, verse 30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. It's like we've got a Holy Spirit Ziploc bag. I don't mean that irreverently. It's just my silly image of it. Uh, it's sealing us. No way that the world, the devil, anything can ever take us away from God or away from his family. We are preserved. If you're convinced that when the Bible says preserved, it means preserved, doesn't that give you hope and confidence? 
I enjoy writing devotions and posting them on Facebook in different places and helping our teens to get into them. And I know some of you even might have seen the one today. Um, it amuses me. I'll just share it quickly. But it amuses me when I hop on Facebook and I end up on my wife's page and it says that I'm married to her. Like right there on Facebook, it says it. I'm like, wonder if that ever is a surprise to somebody scrolling somebody else's Facebook. Literally read that 54% of all Facebook users lie about their relationship status. More than half of the time. I, I saw it on the internet. It has to be true. I don't know. But uh, apparently most people lie about their relationship status. Thankfully, my wife does not. Um, so, But we don't have to wonder. Hopefully, people aren't having to wonder about their relationship status with people. We don't have to wonder about our relationship with Jesus. If you're sitting there and you're not convinced you're on your way to heaven, you don't have this confidence that Jude, he's going to be able to go take on some false teachers, be able to be a bold witness in the face of a godless, some godless people. If we don't have that conviction that we are saved and we're ready to do that, we'd love to help you know from the Bible how you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. How you can be convinced that no matter what this life brings, God's got you. He's holding on to you. He's preserving you. You're preserved in Jesus Christ, and nothing could ever take you away from him. That assurance gives us freedom to do what we should have been doing all along, even before we got saved. Not the freedom to sin anymore. Some people think, oh, I'm preserved. I'm saved forever, so I can do what I want. No, we can do what we should. Uh, if I go out and rob a car, get arrested, and I'm sure fired uh, for robbing a car, if I come before a judge and receive a full pardon, from the judge to go free. I'm free to go out and do right, not free to go out and rob more cars. And I'll give credit where credit is due. That's our FBI teacher, John Yates's illustration. I thought it was a great one. I'd be free to go out to do right. And I hope I'd be so thankful for not getting years of jail time that I'd want to go out and do right. That's what God has given us. And Jude was convinced that Jesus is strong enough to hold on to us. This is all so deep and so good and so rich that we shouldn't want anything else. So in the weeks to come, when we look in the rest of Jude, and you can go home and read it, it's a short book, we shouldn't be tempted by, by the greed or the worldliness or any of that nonsense that these false teachers were pushing people toward because we've got the real thing. Jude was also convinced that we all need mercy. Made it to the second verse here already. Jude verse 2 says, Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Mercy is possible even under challenging times. Boy, there are some difficult attacks now. It can be difficult to be a Christian now. It was worse back then in Jude's day than it is here in America. I know it's worse now in some parts of the world. Jude did not have it easy. And he's calling these people to have mercy really because they've received mercy. I read this illustration a couple days ago, and I thought it was good. Teenagers are apparently, according to this study, much more inclined to take warnings about steroids seriously if the drug's muscle-building benefits are acknowledged in the same speech. That's what doctors at Oregon Health Sciences University found. That was the case when the doctors lectured nine high school football players, football teams, excuse me, on the effects of steroids. They found that football players who heard a balanced uh, presentation on steroids were 50% more likely to believe that the drugs could harm their health than those who were just told of the dangers. This isn't the only instance where scare tactics have been known to fail. In spite of a massive ongoing campaign on the hazards of cigarette smoking, million, millions continue to go that route. Health experts might be more successful if they acknowledge that there is pleasure, as we know, unfortunately, that there is pleasure in sin for a season. But then, once you have that person's attention, once you're realizing the reality, 
Then you tell them all of the reasons why it's bad. We have all received mercy. We need to tell people, okay, yeah, we get it that maybe you, you like your sin and you like your sinful lifestyle, but this is better. That's bad for you. Yes, there's pleasure in it for a season, but this is better. Jesus' way is better. He's got something way better. We've received mercy. We should be able to be willing to share that with others, not because we're perfect. We get it. We've struggled with those sins as well, that we've seen the appeal. This is better. Those sins are harmful for us. Let's constantly warn everyone we can about the reality of hell and that Jesus mercifully offers to save us all from sin. Let's also remember that we need God's mercy every day. Jude was convinced that we all need mercy. Jude was also convinced that peace is still possible. Again, the, the political and religious climate of Jude's day, far more difficult than it is in our day. I, I know it seems like it's getting worse every day here in America in many ways. And it seems like peace might not be possible with all of the difficulty, but it is. Jude 2 again, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. One author says it this way, peace is possible no matter the political climate or popularity of Christianity. Romans 12, 18 says it this way, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. There are times to take a bold stand, but if we can do so in love, if we can do so the right way, it'll get us a lot farther. We need to be convinced. We should contend for the faith, but we shouldn't be mean about it. If people reject Jesus, that's up to them. But if we use the gospel as some sort of battering ram to knock them over harshly, we've missed the point of witnessing. We should love the people around us so much that we want to do everything we can to help them know the truth about salvation through Jesus and want to accept him, to want what we have. So many Christians, it seems like they're just out for a fight, not contending for the faith, but wanting to fight. Not really what we're called to. Yes, never compromise. Be bold with the truth. But we can have peace, and we can be peacemakers so much. It was just yesterday on a, my devotion post that uh, I had somebody basically just questioning everything we believe. Um, it, was, it was interesting. And uh, I was able to um, thankfully be peaceful about it. Uh, he was pretty much saying I was wrong. He, he wasn't really rude about it, but very much going at length in detail uh, about how wrong we were as Christians to believe in God and believe in the Bible and how could God do this. And so I just answered. And I got to share the gospel. I don't think that it got very far with him, but I started it out by just thanking him for reading. I don't know. Maybe he'll read another one of my devotion posts. Maybe it'll be some other pastor, some other devotion writer, some other Bible verse being shared, and he'll be willing to listen. I'm rather argumentative, I'll just be honest. There's a big part of me that wanted to be like, because he kept responding. I wanted to be like, yeah, bring it on. My wife will tell you, I've argued online before. It wasn't about one of my posts, but uh, yeah, um, I'd go on Answers in Genesis and read comments from people that don't believe like Answers in Genesis does, and I would know the response. I'd respond, and they'd respond, and I'd respond, and they'd respond, and nobody would get anywhere, I'll be honest. But uh, So I've learned that, that being peaceful about it is a proper thing, but I like to argue, and I was tempted. I really wasn't offended by this guy, but I was tempted to just argue and argue and argue and argue, and I realized, no, 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 I'm not going to argue him into heaven. Let me be kind. Let me be peaceful about it. Who knows what the Holy Spirit will do with that seed? Who knows what the Holy Spirit will do with the Word of God? Peace is possible. He, Job, Jude, excuse me, wished for peace for these people, and he was convinced that peace is still possible even during difficult times. Jude was also convinced that our true reality, who we are in Christ, is a lot more important than what's on the news. 
I'm not knocking the news in any way on that. If you have a news channel you like, you have at it. The news is often too depressing for me. But uh, if you like watching the news, that's great. There are some good newscasters out there, to say the least. Good news reporting. But we could hear, oh, monkeypox, oh, COVID, or oh, this happened, or oh, this politically, and, and we could feel like we're going to fall apart. No, no, no. Who we are in Christ is more important. And really, we're looking just really at the word love. But, I mean, it's throughout the book of Jude. Jude 2, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. If we remember that Christ loves us, and really as a church we love each other, the circumstances, as one author says, the circumstances around you don't have to drown out the reality within us. Who we are in Christ is more important than what happens out there. Doesn't mean we don't care about the world and do everything we can to help and to reach people. But we don't have to have who we are rise and fall with the latest newscast, with the latest virus or whatever is coming around. You ever been out on a little boat? Maybe you turn the motor off. Maybe you're on a river or a lake. Maybe another boat goes by. There's a little wave, but you're on a little boat, and all of a sudden, you're rocking with the waves. You ever get out in a big boat, big ship, cruise ship, <laughs> little waves? You wouldn't even know they're happening. Decent-sized wave. You wouldn't even know it happened because the, wave, because the boat is so big. God's love for us is so big that if we'll remember it and rest in him, waves of circumstances, they really won't affect us that much. Jude's going to be talking throughout much of the rest of the book to people who are getting hit with some waves. And people lying to them in the name of Jesus, quite frankly. I mean, people absolutely perverting the gospel, perverting the word of God using the word of God for their own benefit instead of the benefit spiritually of those they're pastoring and teaching. Even that doesn't have to shake us loose. If we'll remember that God loves us, he's holding on to us, we can be there for each other. Jude was convinced that our true reality, who we are in Christ, who Christ says we are in him, is a lot more important than what's on the news. Jude was also convinced that what's best isn't always easy, but it's always worth it. I love this in Jude 3. It says, Beloved, he's talking to people he loves. When I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. I really believe Jude was wanting to just celebrate salvation with these people with fellow Christians, just write a book of, hey, this is who we are in Christ, and this is amazing, and he saved us, and we're on our way to heaven. But the Holy Spirit said, no, 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 these people need something different. He wanted to write what was easy. Hey, we can just celebrate. And maybe that's, when you come to church, that's exactly all you hope to hear, is just, yeah, you're doing a good job. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me, and that's it. But you ever get your toes stepped on spiritually? You ever get your toes stepped on spiritually and wish you could just have your physical toes stepped on instead because it would hurt a lot worse or a lot less? I've been there. It may not be easy, but it's worth it. By the way, I don't preach up here nearly as much as Pastor John, but I'll tell you, if I ever say something and I can tell and it's, it's difficult for y'all to hear because it's convicting, it's difficult for me to say. So when Pastor John's willing to preach the whole counsel of the Word of God and he's willing to say things that he knows aren't going to be popular, you should thank him for that because that's not easy. He's a smart man. He knows how to preach popular sermons and nothing but popular sermons. But he wouldn't be the man he is if he did that. And I appreciate that, Pastor John. Jude, I think, was smart enough to know that as well. This is going to be hard. He's going to step on some toes through the rest of this book, but it's worth it. Maybe you have to have a hard conversation with somebody. Maybe, oh, 
Maybe you got that one coworker you really need to witness to and invite to church, but it might not go over well. And you'd love to talk about sports and nothing but and the easy conversations, but you know you need to write a little, you know, say a little bit more. Jude wanted to just write unto them with a common salvation. And he does, but he needs to write more to them to exhort them to contend for the faith. It's said that when Benjamin Franklin wanted people, wanted to interest people in Philadelphia to buy into his idea of street lighting, he didn't try to persuade them by just talking about it. He hung a beautiful lantern on a long bracket in front of his home. He kept the glass highly polished, nice and clean, lots of light coming out of it. Every evening at the approach of dusk, he carefully lit, lit the wick. People saw the light from a distance, and when they walked in its light, they found that it helped them to avoid sharp stones on the pavement. Others quickly started placing lights at their homes, and soon Philadelphia recognized the need for street lighting. As others learn of the peace and joy you have in your life in Christ, they will recognize their need for Him so often. Your witness through personal testimony may be just what someone is waiting for. But we might have to be willing not to just talk about what's easy, but to talk about what the Holy Spirit is convicting us to talk about. Jude, I really do think he wanted to just celebrate salvation, right on about the common salvation. I think he was saying common. They have it in common. Hey, you're saved. I'm saved. This is great. Woohoo! And there's a place for that. But the Holy Spirit had some challenges for them, some things they needed to address, some things for them to make sure of. And Jude was convinced that what was best isn't always easy, but it's always worth it. And lastly, Jude was convinced that the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, is worth standing for and standing on. Jude 3, uh, so verse 3 there. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. I thought about titling this whole series, Contend. Because we do need to be so convinced that we'll contend, we'll step up. Hey, if people don't like it, that's okay. I'm serving the one who approves of what I'm doing. I'm serving the one who is worth it. Verse 4, for there are certain men crept in unawares. We'll talk about those men a lot more in the couple weeks to come. Who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men, turning the grace of our Lord, of, Jesus, of God, our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. People perverting the gospel, perverting the word of God. And as much as it would be wonderful to simply be able to enjoy our salvation, we need to be so convinced of the truth of it and the need for it in everyone's lives that we're willing to contend for it. I like this quote. If it's new, spiritually. If it's new, it's not true. And if it's true, it's not new. We don't need to look for something new. We need to be so convinced that we have it. We don't need to look for something better. We've got the best. And if we'll be convinced about that, boy, that'll help on a grumpy Monday morning that may be facing, I like Mondays, but uh, maybe facing some people tomorrow, I don't know, or the rain out there, whatever. We need to be so convinced that it shows up. I love this example. This will be my last illustration. But a well-known professional golfer was playing in a tournament with President Gerald Ford, so a few years ago there, and fellow pro Jack Nicholas and evangelist Billy Graham. After the round was over, one of the other pros on the tour asked, hey, what was it like to play with the president and Billy Graham? The pro said with disgust, I don't need Billy Graham stuffing religion down my throat. With that, he headed for the practice tee. His friend followed, and after the golfer had pounded out his fury on a bucket of golf balls, he said, was Billy a little rough on you out there? The pro sighed and said with embarrassment, no, he didn't even mention religion. 
Astonishingly, Billy Graham had said nothing about God, Jesus, or religion, yet the pros stomped away after the game, accusing Billy of trying to ram religion down his throat. If we'll contend, if we'll take our stand, if people know that this is what we believe, this is our guidebook, this is our lamp unto our feet, our light unto our path, there'll be times where we absolutely need to vocally contend, even take a bold defense of the Word of God. But people should be able to look at our lives and know who we are and be able to tell that we're so convinced that even before, even if we don't have a chance to open our mouths, they know this is who we are. They are convinced that we're convinced. And that'll be pretty convincing. That's a cheesy way to put it that I wasn't even planned. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, if they can tell that this is real in our lives, that will convince them often even more than 10 times of witnessing to them. They need to know the truth, but they need to know that we not only know it, but we live it. Pretty bad salesman if you don't like your own product. And I think a lot of times that's how we come across. Now, if you say, hey, do you love Jesus? Absolutely. Do you believe in him as Savior? Absolutely. Have you accepted him as Savior? Absolutely. Shouldn't he show up in every area of our lives, not to earn our salvation, but to help be a witness that we are saved and that we love him that much and that we get that he's the truth? Jude was convinced that the gospel is worth standing for and standing on. If you're convinced that Jesus is God, that he's the Savior, and that he really did come to earth and die on the cross for your sins and mine, really did rise again and really does offer salvation, let me just ask you, has there ever been a time that you've asked him to save you from your sins? If not, tonight is a perfect night to do that. And we'd love to show you from the word of God, not just how you can know that Jesus really did live and really is God, but how you can ask him to be your savior. And I hope there's been a time that each of you has done that. And if not, we'd love to show you from the word of God how you can do that. And if you have accepted Jesus as your savior, does your life show that you're convinced that he's your hope? Not just for eternity, but for today and every day. Not just for Sundays, but for every day. We're going to pray in just a moment. We won't have a formal invitation at all. But I hope you'll take a few moments to talk to God. And if you'd like someone to pray with you, we'd be happy to. You feel free to come forward. We won't embarrass you. But maybe you're like, man, okay, I'm convinced, but I've never accepted Jesus. I'm convinced I need Jesus. Hey, tonight can be the night for you. We would love to show you how you can know for sure from God's word that you're on your way to heaven. And maybe you've, you've got that settled. You're on your way to heaven. You know you're saved. Talk to God. Ask him if you're con being convinced. Your conviction about his truth is showing up in your life the way it should. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for Jude. You convinced him. And I pray that each of us will be convinced and live convinced lives, that you are the way, the truth, and the life, that we don't need to look for anything else, anything better. If we're discouraged, you, you offer the ultimate hope. If we're depressed, you offer the ultimate encouragement and hope and peace and joy. If times are good, that we should use those to praise you. If times are difficult, that you give us strength, that you're not just who we need, but you're who everybody in our lives needs. You're who our relatives need, our friends need, who this community needs for salvation and for every day. I pray that I will be so convinced of your truth every day that it will show forth in my life in big ways and that you'll use it and my opportunities, each of our opportunities, to contend for the faith and share our faith, to win the loss to you and to help fellow Christians to be encouraged to live boldly for you. Thank you that peace and mercy and love are still possible even in difficult times because of the peace, mercy, and love you've given us and shown us. 
Thank you for Jude's example. We look forward to digging into the rest of the book in the weeks to come. Pray that you'll bless our volleyball activity after service here and uh, each thing that we have coming for each of us the rest of the week. We thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you're able to stay for some volleyball, even just to you know, help with the very simple foods we have or just to hang out and spend some time together, I'm going to get changed. I am not playing volleyball in a suit, I'll just be honest. But uh, we'll be out there in just a few short minutes. Thank you. You are dismissed.